This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. Welcome back to Faith Ventures. Today I have with me as my guest, Mr. David Ramirez. So excited to have him on board today. David is an additive manufacturing engineer with a mechanical engineering background. By the way, if you don't know what that means, that means 3D printing. He is an experienced product manager in his current position, and he interacts with customers a lot. Of course, he has a, a team of employees under him. He has a lot of experience in, in, in kind of an industry in a unique way. And so I'm really happy to have him on board today to tell us about his faith journey, his business journey. So David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Norman. I'm very excited to be here. Always a pleasure to, to talk with fellow engineers. And given my own experience in the 3D printing realm in various ways, which we've kind of talked about off script here, but I'm so excited to kind of talk through your journey. So let's talk a little bit about that first. How did you kind of get into this whole deal? And like, what, what has your professional journey been like? And how does your faith intertwine that a bit? Absolutely. So a lot of it stems from my passion for science and math. In high school, I was always really good at, at, at math. I took all the math courses my school had to offer, statistics, AP calculus, BC calculus, Everything they had to offer, I took. AP chemistry is where things took a turn for me. I fell in love with chemistry. So I did really well in that class, got over 100%. I spoke with, I I often spoke with my teacher who was a chemical engineer. And I was- Music to my ears. (laughs) I enjoyed her, her presence, the way she taught. I enjoyed the class so much that I said, I'm going to be a chemical engineer too. So I get accepted into Rochester Institute of Technology, never visited the school. I got accepted. It made sense financially for me to go there. So I packed up two big bags and I hopped on an Amtrak train and for 16 hours (laughs) rode the train to Rochester, New York from Chicago. And unfortunately, you know, I was only there for a year. I did. I did really well, but my parents couldn't afford to keep me there. So I moved Mm. back home to Illinois and there weren't any chemical engineering programs within commuting distance. So I transferred over to Milwaukee School of Engineering and I got my degree of mechanical engineering. And then I worked as an engineer right out of college. I interned for a company in Kenosha, Wisconsin. They offered me a full-time job. And within that company, eventually I got bored of engineering at the, the kind of engineering that I was doing. And uh, it just became too repetitive for me. So I wanted some, I wanted a different kind of challenge. So I go talk to the HR guy and he says, hey, there's a position open in Connecticut. And my, I, my best friend from high school moved to Connecticut right out of high school, you know, after, right out of college to work for General Dynamics. He was working on submarines in Connecticut. Oh, ah, okay. So best friend from high school's over there. I'm like, you know what? Let me get that interview. Let me, let me go see what this position is about. So I go over there. I interview. The next day I get the job offer. Similar situation. I just pack everything in a trailer and I'm gone. I moved to Connecticut. I'm there for five years. 
And this is where things take an interesting turn for me. I'm in Connecticut. I'm making more money than I've ever made at 25 years old. I'm, I, I was obsessed with The Wolf on Wall Street, the movie. I don't know if you've seen it with Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. Yeah. So I, I wanted to be The Wolf on Wall Street. I wanted to have a big mansion in Greenwich. I wanted to have a penthouse in Manhattan. I wanted that life. And so I was working really hard towards it. I was, I felt like I was in it, you know, like I had the opportunity to, to make that kind of life for myself. And then the pandemic comes around and we all remember how that, how that was for everyone. Right. So 2020 comes around. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I find myself working two jobs because obsessed with money and making money. And I find myself working out of two different laptops because I was working for two different companies at the time. And I'm oh, a man. thousand miles away from my family during all this madness, during all this craziness. And I just make the decision right then and there. Like it was like March of 2020 when I was just like starting to pick up the Bible and like get into the faith. I was just, it just caught my, my attention during this time. But uh -huh. I, I, I was taking baby steps. So I make the decision. I'm a thousand miles away from my family to work out of a laptop. That doesn't make sense to me. I moved here for work because I needed to physically be here. But now I'm working out of a laptop. So I'm moving back home. I moved back home and I lose both jobs. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Things took a really interesting turn for me there because I go from making all this money as a young kid to not having anything like income wise. Yep. And living back with my parents. But this was the start of my my journey in the faith. So it was a very yeah. interesting thing that happened to me. I look at it as God took everything away from me. Because I needed mm -hmm. to start from scratch and I needed to understand that everything I was going to get from that moment on was from him and his grace, not from mm. my work, not from my personal efforts. So shortly thereafter, I reconnect with a buddy of mine from MSOE and he's starting this 3D printing company and he needed someone with sales experience with an engineering background. and brings me on we're only 10 we're only like 11 or 10 employees at the time and then things just progress things just scale up we get acquired by a private equity company they're merging other companies into our company and we were the first acquisition so a lot of the folks from that that first company are in the manager positions are the ones that are getting employees rolled into you know under them from these subsequent acquisitions. Mm -hmm. So it was just really cool that I didn't really have to work for it. I mean, I obviously still show up and work hard every day, but I didn't have to do it on my own. And so that's where my yeah. life, you know, took a, a big 180 from trying to make it happen on my own to honestly just like riding the roller coaster and letting things happen and unfold. And I'm much better off than I was before. Interesting. But you would, you would also say though, that like 
you know, you, you were definitely working hard. You, you found yourself in a position where, where there's a, you know, it was not a, it was, it wasn't like you said, it wasn't, you weren't trying to force it to happen, Exactly. But you were definitely present to respond to the needs to, to be in the, 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 the position where you needed to be in order to, you know, I, this is, this is kind of the, the interesting nature of the marketplace, right? The, that the more you kind of focus in on yourself, the less things kind of come back to you. But when you focus on serving other people around you, which is what you're clearly doing, that's when things begin to happen. Exactly, exactly. And then it's just the purpose. Why am I showing up to work every day? I used to show up to work because I wanted to take the fruits of my labor and then show off and then, you know, have that extravagant lifestyle mm-hmm. that everyone else wanted. And I, it wasn't really... yeah a real need for any of that. But now Mm -hmm. I wake up with a sense of service. I want to go and make everyone's day better. I want to walk into work and put smiles on everyone's faces. I want to give my customers the best experience possible. And the, the reason I do it today is for God's glory, for God to take, yeah, for, for, for God to be, honored in in all of this when yeah when it when my faith comes up in conversations that's or when it doesn't you know when people just know me as that hey he's that christian guy he's the guy who prays at lunch yeah. when he's with his coworkers he prays for his food but th- then i'm giving good testimony about why i do the things that i do and you know it's it's for yeah. god's glory and not mine well, it goes perfectly into, you know, the purpose of Faith Ventures is to tell these inspiring stories, you know, be of Christians doing business for the glory of God. And so I pr- definitely appreciate that and and where you're coming from there. So, you know, you, you've identified some of these, the, the moments that you've, you know, that you experienced where your faith played a, a role in, in, in the decision-making process. Uh, what is, you know, since you've, since you've really kind of embraced being a Christian in a, in a way like you know, it's a conversion process, of course, mm-hmm. what have you seen that is of like the, the behaviors or the decisions that you're now making and like what, what kind of differs now than, than what you've experienced prior to that? Yeah, um, absolutely. You've kind of identified already. One of them is, is like kind of the, 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 the kind of the self-interested aspect, but what other things have, have kind of been changed as a result of that? Yeah, it's a lot. A lot of behavior, behavioral change. I use. I still have a by any means necessary kind of mentality, but when I didn't have mm-hmm. the proper guidelines, when I wasn't operating under the guidelines of the Lord, my by any mm-hmm. means necessary attitude tended to to cheat people, tended to lie to people. Mm-hmm. Tended to be focused on, I'm going to make this sale no matter what. If this person goes into debt, I don't care. If, you know, that that kind of attitude without the proper constraints can unwind really quickly. And you you can you can start to hurt people around you. You can start really quick to embrace like an evil spirit, you know. And now. Yeah. 
I still have this attitude, this by any means necessary attitude, but my behavior is totally different. You know, I'm doing, I'm going above and beyond serving people, helping people by any means necessary. If it means I'm losing sleep, if it means I'm getting up early, if it means I'm driving over to drop something off at a customer, even if it's, I literally, I kid you not, the other day, we forgot to install a threaded insert in a, one of our 3D printed parts. Customer calls me. He's like, Ooh. hey, what, what should <laughs> we do when something like this happens? I was like, don't worry. I grabbed one insert, drove an hour with a soldering iron in, in the car. I <laughs> got there. I installed the one piece and I drove back. I mean, com- still by any means necessary attitude, right? But in a much different yeah. way. So my behavior has totally changed. About the making your customer business. whole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting too. Cause you know, what it, have you found that those behavioral changes, you know, now that you're so focused on the, the, the success of your customer, even, does that, does that happen to also have a positive impact on your business? 100%. 100%. Just the, just the energy, the joy that you bring when a lot of people would roll their eyes or say, oh, I have to go do this now. Like, and then you bring that attitude mm-hmm. in, into the building and they can tell that you don't want to be there. They can tell that like, you're pissed off that you have to install this insert. You know, you lost two and a half hours of your day. But when you do it with a, with a, happy attitude with a smile on your face because you're here to show them how much they mean to you when you're here to show them that this is how much of their business means to you that you're willing to do something like this Mm -hmm. when i was walking out when i was being walked out of that building the engineer says to me hey we have these parts that china can't make for us anymore and we're thinking about onshoring them can I send you these files for mm. you to take a look at them? You know, and it just like I one insert, one little thing, and it it's a mm-hmm. fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar opportunity now because I did it with the right attitude. Yeah. So it's almost like that if we if we treat others the way they want to be treated, that my goodness opportunities and new opportunities arise from but in order to mutually benefit who knew (laughs) yeah who knew who knew that if you just follow the 10 commandments and love thy neighbor yeah that that good things happen to you what do you know yeah that i think that's really kind of an interesting you know kind of observation that we that we need to keep hammering forward with you know with the way in which the market, how the marketplace works, and this 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 way in which when you serve other people, that's God's design, you know, in order to promote human flourishing. That's what we're here about. And so, I think that you're you know, you're direct examples of just how that's even working out now. And just by changing things about our attitude, things about our the the, the way in which we treat others, and just putting putting others' interests first is the absolute right way to get there. Is that the kind of like, what other things like that have you kind of learned from being, especially involved in this particular kind of business where you are more 
like kind of cust like you're you're very external customer centric at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, I look at the example of of Jesus. Jesus came to serve. He he washed mm-hmm. his disciples' feet when they didn't feel like they were worthy. But Jesus said, mm-hmm. "If you don't let me wash your feet, you can't be my disciple." Like the his example of the way he lived. <laughs> yep. And then endured all the pain, endured all people spitting on him, people throwing rocks at him, wanting to kill him, persecuting him. And I look at him as as the perfect example of how we should live our lives. We're going to have people that treat us unjustly. We have people who are, who are going to say things, bad things about us, who are going to try and harm us. Whether it's a customer cussing you out, mm-hmm. whether it's your boss, you know, treating you poorly or feeling like you're being treated unfairly at work. Jesus gave mm-hmm. us that example of we're supposed to endure all those things and turn the other cheek. We're not supposed to yeah. get mad and try and hurt them back. We're not supposed to try and get even with them. We're supposed to endure and love through all that that's happening. And I I try to embrace that as much as I can. I've always come going to fall short because I'm not perfect, but I try to embrace that as much as I can and when I'm going through tough times, I think about what a good example Jesus was for us. Excellent. Yeah. Those are wise words. It's so cool to see that like the kind of the extension of Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Right. Yeah. And he was the king, right? The king came to serve. Yeah. And he deserved all of that. He deserved everyone serving him. And in truth, that is what we live to do as well. But in his example, he showed us how spiritually we are to act. But also these things have these interesting kind of corollaries to what happens in the world around us as well. Like his way of living is a flat out better way to live. You know, it's not the wolf of Wall Street. It's not the greed is good. It's not, you know, just get as much money as you can and damn the rest, per se. We find that our means of creation, creating wealth for other people, is a way that we also enrich ourselves. So there's this, you know, that interplay is so great. And I think it's the additive manufacturing world is is kind of a unique up and coming business where you get to see that kind of in action in in a slightly different way because it's unusual in that you go from like powders or, or resins, and you know, we're both experienced in that, into, into a part or some sort of piece that people then immediately go and use. Mm-hmm. We're not you know, perhaps in the nth degree of that development yet, but what is happening there is I think you get an, a neat perspective on what a customer wants from kind of start to finish. And I'm just curious if you, you know, like what kind of realizations have you come to in being in that, in that business in particular that perhaps kind of speak to speak to that level of of care for the customer as well. Yeah, I mean it's all it's about the having the heart of a servant, you know, following Jesus's example, but also I think a lot of people of faith get caught up in misconceptions about doing business and what it all means yeah. to accumulate wealth, to have a, or to create a system that's one of that 
that has one of its main functions being generating money, right? It gets, it's a very touchy mm-hmm. subject with, with people of faith. And I think there's a huge misconception there because money itself is a utility. Money itself is not evil. It's a utility, just like mm-hmm. tools. It's a tool, right? The yeah, love of the technology, money, even the 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 Bible teaches mm-hmm. the love of money is evil. Trusting money over trusting your bank account, trusting that your bank account is going to take care of you when stuff hits the fan and and you need to get out of a pinch. That's having lack of faith. Mm-hmm. That doesn't that doesn't align with love God as your only God, as your only master. When, when you put money above God, things don't, don't work out in your favor a lot. And you live a life right. of anxiety, of worrying, because money is fleeing. Money is always moving. It's fluid. Yeah. It's rotting. Quite literally. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, it's, it's physical money. It's literally rotting away. So there's, there's that fine line of we're, we're creating a money generating system, but as people of faith, we don't put our trust in that. We put our trust in the Lord, that he's the one that's going to provide for us, that if we do what he's asking, if we're obedient, that he's going to take care of us. Yeah. Definitely, definitely appreciate that because, you know, you're like you're saying, you could get a you could get an extra zero on your bank account, sure, but that is not that is not satisfaction. That is not pure happiness. That is not fulfillment. It's a, that's just that's just a you know part of a scorecard that doesn't really like. There, there's something about it that matters, but it's not the be all. It's not the end all. Uh, and right. the way in which we you know entered that that journey that we go through within that is is uh, as important or more important. And you're never satisfied if you're if you're in love with money and you're chasing just money. You're never satisfied. You you get used to a certain level and then you want to get to the next level. Then mm-hmm. you you get numb to that level. Yeah. And you want to go to the next level, and it's a you're never going to be able to fill that void. Where you know Jesus when he's talking to the Samaritan woman and he's talking about the living water. If you drink from living water, you'll mm-hmm. never thirst again. If you drink from the water that, that God has to offer, you'll never thirst again. If, if you're constantly reading the word of God, you're, you're, all those things that you're trying to fill will be filled. And you don't have to go elsewhere to try and fill those things, whether it's money, mm-hmm. whether it's fame, whether you name it. You don't need anything else to fill that, to feel, you know, whole. Awesome. And those are good words, good words to keep in mind and to remember as no matter where we are in our journey. Well, David, as we kind of begin drawing to a close here, I want to ask you a couple of things that I go with everybody who comes on our show here. One, and this is, this may be a little unique for you because, you know, as, as you've noted, your adult life has been partly as a believer and partly mm-hmm. not as a believer. So, you know, maybe it's a little, you get, there's the easy answer, I suppose, on one level, but it is, is imagine you could go back in time and give your younger self some advice about work, about business, about your faith and intertwining all of that together. Now, 
clearly it's believe yeah i'm sure the one on the one hand it's believe early <laughs> but yeah yeah no uh, that's for sure what that else would you might number you say one. there but um i was actually talking to a mentee of mine today and we were just talking about life and he's got a girlfriend he wants to get married he's got roommates because he's in college and you know aside from believing earlier you know trusting god much sooner than i did one of the other things I would tell my younger self is be careful about your circle, your friends, who your friends are. Oh, okay. They're not directly going to pull you in a direction, but they will pull you in a certain direction. And my mentee was telling me how he lives with these four guys who like to get up at six in the morning to go the, to the gym. And we were talking about mm-hmm. that. And I asked him, so because we, we got on this same topic. I I was giving him advice about curating his friend group. And um, Mm -hmm. I asked him, hey, if you didn't have these guys, it would be harder for you to get up every day, right? You would sometimes want to, sometimes don't feel like it. But because you know that you're going to be held accountable if you don't go Mm -hmm. with these guys at six in the morning, you go, right? You're more motivated to get up and go. And that's... That's a, a scenario where the, your friend group is affecting you in a positive way, but it could very easily, they could be affecting you in a negative way. If they're if you're going yeah. to the club every night because that's where they want to be, if you're doing things, if you're going out shoplifting, if you're going out and doing things that you shouldn't yeah. be doing yeah. just because you have that influence. So that's one thing I would tell my younger self is be careful who your friends are, curate your, your group of friends to match the path that you want to go down. And then number two, Mm -hmm. or number three technically, would be read more. (laughs) I feel like reading... Oh, okay. Yeah. Reading helps you process information better. And the more you practice that habit of reading, the easier it is to process information, especially when it's on a piece of paper. Whether it's a book and it's yeah. like an idea that you're trying to process and understand, or even at work, if you receive a work instruction, if you are looking at a drawing that has you know a bunch of notes on it, you read it once, you process that information, you understand what you're doing. If if you're not someone mm-hmm. who's constantly in the habit of reading, it might you might have to read a work instruction three or four times before you understand what you're supposed to be doing. So. Just in terms of your own knowledge, but also being productive and efficient, reading, I think has helped me a lot. I think that's really wise advice for us engineers and scientists in particular, because we sometimes will place such a priority on the the kinds of, oh, I got to be, I got to keep doing the, the sciencey stuff. I got to keep doing the engineering stuff. And we we sometimes can lose sight of the fact that the more broader reading that enables us to process information differently, to have to be able to see things in different lights. And it makes a difference in as to how we both express ideas, convince people of ideas, and ultimately generate new ideas. I, I think that's been really important for me in, in my in my journey as well. So I, I appreciate that. That's a good one. And it helps with your vocabulary. You learn new words. You look up what they mean. All of a sudden you're using them in regular conversation. Yep. yep. For sure, man. Yeah. It's like that, that kind of broaden 
broadening your basis of of how you operate is crucial. So good good career advice and in, in general. And in, and then of course, you know, just the fact that I, I think one way in which we can often strive to read better is reading more about theology even like this is once you get into it you can't stop i mean it's so much fun to learn about god by interacting with other theologians in this respect like you know it's often said that theology is as a conversation about god between the living and the dead <laughs> especially when you're reading older authors you know the church fathers or some that effect and those are really important things so i don't know i'm kind of i'm going a little off a field beer for a sec but i think that's that's it, it it, it can't be understated just how important that can be. And, it, and of course, here at LCI, we, we really encourage people to read broadly as well. I mean, when you got engineers like us who are talking about economics and, and, and business, but also theology and ethics and you know, things like that, it's, it's pretty cool. So, well, David, I'll give you the last word here. Any other kind of words of wisdom or uh, messages that you would want to make sure that our audience exits this show with before we go? Yeah, absolutely. Pick up a Bible, go to Barnes and Noble. Maybe your church has a little bookstore. Grab a Bible, start reading. And then after you're done with that, yeah. make sure you pick up a copy of Faith Seeking Freedom by Mr. Norman. Oh my and goodness. It's almost like it, it's almost like I primed you for that. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> oh, I primed it. I no, primed it's it. Great. Yeah, pick up a copy you, you of did. Faith Seeking Freedom <laughs> and check that out after you read. <laughs> not the whole thing maybe wise but, words you know, my friend <laughs> grab a couple books out of the bible first and then pick up faith seeking freedom yeah well thank i i appreciate your uh your little plug of our own work there and that's very kind of you to say i know that uh it's been beneficial for many so hey david again thank you so much for being here and for your words of wisdom for us engineers i know i'm going to be thinking about some of these things over the weekend here just I'm, I'm really enjoying speaking with you, and I hope that you stick around with us a little longer here at LCI. Really appreciate it, man. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime you need me to hop on one of these things, you know where to find me, all right? Hey, yeah. let's do it. All right, well, thank you so much once again. This has been Faith Ventures. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.